0: Do we see you at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Bozo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture. Investing as if the planet mattered. podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space. To learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems, while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started. I've been recording these interviews next to my day job, and I will definitely continue to do so, and release about an episode a month, but at the same time I would love to take this further, share more interviews, there are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! Enjoy! I interviewed Mike Korczynski of Wildlife Works a couple of months ago and we had a long discussion on regenerative agriculture and how to work with indigenous groups and communities in Congo and Kenya. But only the last 15 minutes we got into the role of impact investing in regenerative agriculture. And I feel like that part in itself as a standalone podcast has a lot of value and interesting insights. So that's why I wanted to share it with you, not only as part of the full interview, which I will link below, but also as a standalone podcast of about seventeen minutes. Enjoy. And and what do you see as the the most important barriers to to scale up these uh, small pilots or small uh, examples of what's actually possible? What is needed to scale up uh, those to to actually reach the impact we all need?
1: Um. I, well, I you know. Let me look at the clock here, (laughs) just to see how much time I, you know, I think uh, one of my pet peeves is uh, having come from the business community and having, you know, worked to try and find an economic solution for our work, as well as for, for wildlife and forests around the world for 20 years, I've seen lots of ideas come and go and, and fads and things. And one of the things that drives me nuts um, is the direction that the impact investment community has, has taken. Um, and uh, and uh, I mean, you know, it's understandable. These are investors, and so for the most part, you 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 don't start an impact investment community with with activists, you because you, they don't have any money to invest. You start an impact investment community with investors, um, and so yes, of course, those are investors that have a desire to to be part of the solution. So they're nice investors, but they're investors, and. Uh, those investors have have choices in how they invest their money and and they want to make sure that their own fortune is sustainable so they can continue to invest so they, they that 's their first priority and and maybe rightly so otherwise their their role as an investor will diminish over time and disappear so so they want uh, so the impact investment community the activists and and i don 't know who else uh the Creative folks that wanted to divert investments away from unsustainable investments towards uh, impact investments um, have created a story line, which is, in my opinion, very potentially very threatening to the the, the the success in the future. That story is that, gee, you know, impact investments can have all the the returns of a financial inv- of a traditional financial investment plus these other bottom lines plus social benefits and biodiversity benefits. So, so look, you don't have to give up anything economically, and you get the benefit of doing something great for the planet. Who would not put their money into that? And, and so that's been the story in many conferences all over the world for many years now. And so those well-intentioned investors have all said, oh, yeah, absolutely, who would not do that? Let's put our money there and so they all put vast amounts of money you know re- re- really uh into this impact investing field in fund after fund after fund um and then and then the, the 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 fund managers go out in the world looking for these deals that have the exact same return as they would get in a traditional investment and social benefit and and uh and biodiversity benefit and they they can't find them and so <laughs> so because it actually costs more money to do business in weird places where you 're trying to provide economic solutions for small villages in rural communities a long way from a market um, and so these things cost more money and, and have a much higher risk profile and therefore uh, therefore they will they will not they will need for an investor to be able to demonstrate a higher return for the investor to be interested or the retur- the investor has to be willing to offset their financial return with the social and biodiversity return. So, and, and to this point, the story that's been sold to them is that they don't have to make that compromise. And that's damaging because it means the money's not really flowing into true impact investments. It means that eventually, because they were sold on the idea and they made the decision to move money based on the idea that they would get a similar return, in the end, the fund managers compromise, in our opinion, on the impact. They compromise always on the social and biodiversity benefit and maybe not horribly, I'm sure these are all great funds doing good work, but they're not doing aggressive work in, in to solve the problems that, that can't be solved without further in, without massive investments. So my concern is really is that problem won't be solved until we stop telling that, that lie to the investment community and say, look, if you have the capacity, then you have to carve off some portion of your investment portfolio and assign it to a high risk uh, activity that could generate a return for you that is comparable, maybe not equal to, and it could in some cases generate a higher return who knows? but that should not be why you 're doing it why you 're doing it is to put a portion of your economic wealth to work to solve very hard problems that need your money and that will generate enormous social and biodiversity benefits well beyond what any impact fund is currently delivering. Uh, and that may be able to return a financial investment if they work, but many of them have not proven that they can work at scale, and therefore you're going to be taking a high risk. Until we start telling that story, I think we're going to we're not going to make as much progress as we need to as quickly as possible in in solving some of these larger problems and scaling them up. And I and that concerns me. I think that we as a society need to find a better way to to define triple bottom line. We need to define it not as triple return for the investor which right now when people look at triple bottom line they think well i get the same financial bottom line and then i get a i get a social bottom line and a biodiversity bottom line who would not make that investment but that's a fiction and we need to start re- the conversation over with how do you value the social and biodiversity benefits in society possibly even financially how do you value them so that an investment that generates tremendous social and biodiversity, or and or biodiversity benefit, is more highly prized than an investment that generates high financial return? Um, until we figure that one out, I suspect that progress will be too slow uh, in general, um, and and the lives of people like me will remain to be a significant challenge. But um, but uh, um, yeah, so that's that's the the big challenge I see on the horizon is how do we rethink the the notion of value i mean money and and financial value is is an entirely fictitious creation of our societies to allow us to function Um, we need a new fictitious creation in some respects that values in real terms social benefit and biodiversity benefit so that it's not a compromise it's a it's it's more valuable to us as a society right now we need to acknowledge that and somehow but also within the realities that people have to buy food to eat and pay for school fees and, and drive themselves around and all these other things. So, so that's the challenge, I think, is how do we create, how do we create real value in social and biodiversity impact uh, that is recognized in real terms that allows investors to make investment decisions purely on those benefits uh, rather than secondarily on those benefits.
0: I think you, you touched on an extremely interesting point. We've sold a lot of these funds and a lot of these impact investments as it is something easy, as you can just do your normal investments, you put another set of glasses on and, and you'll be fine. And I think another underlying illusion is there. It's it's easy in general to make money with money. It's easy to make investments. And if you're um, if you're just making investment you probably will make an uh, what x return because somebody in instagram made so much money and the truth is it's not easy to grow money and it's not easy in in general it's not easy in the impact space and it's not easy in the normal economy or in the economy to to make more money with money i mean we only hear the success stories but the truth is most people in Silicon Valley silicon valley are losing money and we only hear the few that are doing it wrong well that fuels our mind like, like oh i could also do that which is probably not true and if you then look at the impact investing space and you want to also make a, a 10x return it's going to be very tricky because you are like you said dealing with agriculture you're dealing with people far away from any road and of course there are real costs it's the real economy and the real world so you're you're, you're happy if you're if you get a return and if that is compensating for inflation and and some of the risk and I think it's the the illusion of of easy returns in in all of society is is something we should also really battle because it makes any discussion really difficult because everybody would say yeah but I could get twenty percent there, but if you really look over long stretches of time, I mean there, these returns aren't there anyway. But it's people's in people's mind that it's easy money somewhere else. So why would they invest in this case in Congo?
1: Right. Yes. Exactly. I mean, if you, I mean, and the 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 the, the the, yeah there are very very easy ways to to examine your premise because if you look at the performance of all the fund managers and all the all the high net worth individual asset managers of the world what are they telling their clients they can receive you know as a as a, as a long term return on their investment it's not 30% you know so and these are people whose entire lives have been around how to make money for their clients and scouring the world for a portfolio of investments to give them the best financial return, and they're not generating crazy returns. There. So you look at those averages and the performance of, uh, of, of money managers around the world, and you can get a pretty good idea of how difficult it is to actually make money with money because um, they have unlimited amounts of money and unlimited access to brains and, and thought uh, leadership on how to turn that money into more money, and it, it is still tough.
0: Still, they can't get it done. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I mean a story I was told by somebody in Kenya. I, we, our, our core project is in Kenya. We've been there many years in Nairobi, which is a very nice African city. It's very, very developed and has lots of creature comforts for expatriates, uh, and and is a very short distance to elephants. So lots of people like uh, being in Nairobi. Um, so there are something like eighty nine uh, impact funds in uh, looking for venture deals in Nairobi. And uh, I had, I'm had friends with some of the people involved in some of the funds, and one of them told me that, you know, over the past three years, um, all between all 89 of them, uh, they'd done two deals. So 80, you can imagine how much money in, in, is just sitting there look
0: looking for this... It's a management fee, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's just, just earning management fees for all these these fund managers, while they, while they look for the Holy Grail, while they, while they scour the landscape for this, this uh,
0: Uber of Nairobi,
1: mythical beast. Uh, Exactly. The Uber of Nairobi. That's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for the Uber of Nairobi or they're looking for the, uh, the, the Archer Daniels Midland of Nairobi, you know, the, how to make an agricultural giant, a sustainable agricultural giant that will generate returns in the billions for their, their high net worth investors. So, yeah, so that's, uh, so there's work to be done there. I I think that that money is, it could be doing far more good with, if the storyline had been different, if the story, I I don't, I don't dispute that, that today in today's world financial investors need the promise of a return. And that's not, I'm not a promise of a financial return for their financial investment. Uh, I, and, but I think that their expectations need to be reset in terms of what is possible. And we need to find a way to reward them for the social and, and biodiversity benefit uh, on top of, in real terms, on top of the financial reward, uh, if we really want to see uh, success in that s- sector.
0: Thank thank you for, for the last point. I think it's It's a great uh, point to to end this interview, but to finalize it with one more question. um, What should smart impact investors look for? After all, we heard now to to become active in this space. What would you advise them?
1: Um, I would advise them to focus on the impact that they want to have. There's no point in being in an impact investment fund if the fund isn't having the impact. I mean, there is a point. Maybe it makes for great cocktail party conversation. But uh, but most of in my opinion, and from the ones I've met, most of these impact investors, when you get to the source of the money, they truly want to have an impact in some aspect of of life that they have a passion for. Um, And so my advice to them is don't lose sight of the passion you have for the impact you desire and make that requirement the highest order requirement for some section of your some segment of your portfolio And don't let the fund manager come back to you and say, well, you know, I wasn't able to find anything Uh, because what he's essentially saying is uh, I can't I'm worried about my own job if I can't deliver a financial return to you. That is competitive because of what I told you when I established the fund. And I couldn't find anything that creates a competitive return and addresses your passion. That's essentially the long version of what they're telling you. So it's incumbent on the impact investor to say, all right, try again. Uh, Don't worry, here's a five-year contract uh, to go find me these deals, regardless of the financial return. Uh, well, we, yes, we can have a financial return target, but uh I, I really want to see my fund, my money, make an impact on this issue. So go find me deals that address this issue, regardless of the financial return, and then we'll have a conversation about whether or not I'm willing to accept the return, risk, etc. profile of those deals. But really focus on the impact. Don't fo- don't think just because you're investing in an education fund that you're going to have high impact on education. Uh, because if you've made the principal criteria their financial return, they'll, the fund manager will find a creative way to call it education and make the return in order to keep their jobs. Um, so I, I think a lot of the onus has to be, which is, you know, again, not opposite of what they were, their, the original intent. These these investors wanted to have the impact. The problem is they also wanted to get rid of the problem of finding the deals. And that's where the, the dilemma occurs. They They wanted to hand off the the challenge of finding those opportunities to have that impact, and in doing so, they're now employing somebody to do it for them, and that person has a whole different risk profile than the original investor, and and therein lies the dilemma: is how do you how do you transfer that risk profile that the original investor has through the funds, and in many cases through multiple layers of funds because the money is so big these days in impact that that there's you know a global education fund that invests in in continental education funds that invest in national education funds that invest in girls education funds that, that finally invest in a school. Uh, and so how do you transfer the, the economic or the, the risk profile that of the original investor and the desire for impact first, uh, through all those layers of professional management, uh, to make sure that the actual investments meet the original impact desire. That's, that's a real challenge and I don't know the answer, uh, but I do know that the impact investors themselves cannot delegate that responsibility. They, cannot, they, cannot, uh, they need to focus on that issue if they wanna see that, that problem solved.
0: Thank you so much, Mike, for, for this interview. I'm sure we'll be checking in uh, in the next months and years to see on the progress and we'll hopefully have, a, have more of these conversations. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks very much.
0: You just listened to the last part of the interview with Mike Korchinski, the CEO of Wildlife Works, where we discussed the role of impact investing in regenerative agriculture. Please come back soon for more of these interviews. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.